Hi, I'm Erica Snyder. I'm your host for Teach Talks, a podcast from your friends and colleagues at Teaching Channel. This week, we're doing our second episode in a series on social and emotional learning. Be sure to check out episode four to hear how one school incorporates SEL in their advisory program. Our guest today, R. Keith Matheny, has developed a dedicated curriculum for SEL and trained many teachers across the nation in this work. His lens is SEL as a dedicated class for freshmen. Welcome, Keith, and thanks for being here today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Erica. Yeah, let's go ahead and get started with a little bit of your background, and um, why don't you tell us how you got involved in SEL work? So I've been interested in social-emotional learning since I started college. I studied psychology, um, and then, you know, even after college, I taught at the college level for about 17 years. I taught intro to psych, uh, personal growth, human development, and eventually wrote a course called Psychology of Performance that was based on a bunch of graduate work that I had done under Dr. Gene Williams, um, who is a professor who teaches psychology of performance um, or performance enhancement. And that course um, that I wrote at a university was really popular with, with students, and I loved teaching it. And it was really all about what SEL is. It was about how to manage your emotions, and build healthy relationships, and set goals for you know maximum performance or you know just personal growth and I felt like that class really was useful for kids but would be even more useful for high school students and so that's kind of what launched the start and I left college and took a job at an inner city high school in Austin Texas with the sole goal of developing a course that would really help students transition and learn these kinds of skills to make them more successful both in their academic and overall lives. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. So why a dedicated course and particularly, you know, why that for this high school? Um, so when I got there, uh, we looked at the student body and we we're looking at data. And one of the first things that we saw was that freshmen made up more than 60% of the class failures on our campus and they also made up more than 60% of the discipline referrals on our campus even though freshmen only made up 25% of the population and when we looked at this I'm I'm like wow that's really shocking look at how how skewed those numbers are mm -hmm. we really need to do something for freshmen and my principal uh, said, yeah, you're right, you should do more for freshmen. And all of a sudden, we had a committee and started to do some work on, you know, what we could do. And one of the things that came out was, of course, based on my overall objective already, was a dedicated course um, that would help kids uh, transition and teach them success skills. Well, since I've been doing this work, I found that that is not unlike other schools. In fact, most high schools have a huge um, number skewed numbers towards freshman failures and freshman referrals on their campuses. And this is just a really key point that kids really need it. So why a dedicated course? It's really simple. You know, it's the approach that is very different than a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Advisory is a wonderful way to teach um, a concept and reinforce a concept and to build common language. However, the depth that you can reach in a 20-minute once-a-week um, content is just not very deep, and you can't really get to the kind of high-hanging fruit on the tree for kids. You know, kids need a really safe environment where they feel connected and supported before they're really going to 
you know, get to some of those things that are really um, the impetus behind their struggles. And, you know, having that course, you know, where it's every day or for us it's an A-B block schedule, so I get them every other day for 90 minutes, just enables us to really soak in the material and, and really get a chance to not only teach the material but practice the material in a collaborative environment and then even do activities where, you know, students teach each other or even are involved in leadership on campus to teach the skills. And this creates a much more transformative experience than a once a week 20 minutes could ever do. However, I believe advisory has its place because it can reinforce the things that you teach in a dedicated course over the course of the four years. You can't teach you know, the periodic table one class and then expect the kids to remember it for four years. So just like that with SEL, when you teach SEL, you then reinforce it over the four years and also advisory gives you a vehicle to build common language with all your teachers and help address a little bit the adult skills. But advisory is not, in my opinion, um, anywhere near the quality and depth of instruction that you need to really transform the skills of students. Well, let's talk a little bit about that depth. So in your particular program, you mentioned is a black schedule AB um, for 90 minutes, which is yep. awesome. Um, so mm-hmm. how does this, how does it work in the, in the school setting in general? So is it an elective class? Um, what does the curriculum look like? Just tell us a little bit more about, about that depth of the program. No problem. So the, the course is an elective. Um, most places that, so one thing that I should mention real quickly is since I've been doing this work and started in 2009, the work has grown dramatically. And so over the course of the last three years, I've helped install programs at roughly 50 high schools. And so each high school does it a little differently. Um, For sure. Mm-hmm. And so most of the schools that have put in the dedicated course make it a required course for freshmen. It's just a freshman seminar that every kid takes that is a elective credit. And most states seem to have some kind of freshman seminar or uh, teen leadership or some kind of success skills course in their state approved electives. And then, you know, the school will just adopt that as the dedicated, you know, elective course. Some schools have chosen to make it more of a targeted intervention. and I don't think that is the best approach, but I do understand why some schools have made that approach. And when they do that, they pick a, a certain you know metric that they're going to pick that says these kids are going to take that class. So um, at, when we started the program at Austin High, we said that any kid that was a grade level student in math or English was going to take the course. So that way, you know, we we said that the kids that were <clears throat> more advanced, um, so they were in pre-AP or AP coursework, weren't the first group that we were going to introduce this for. However, the reality is is that those kids needed as much, if not more, Mm -hmm. than the kids that are at grade level. And one of my biggest concerns with doing it as a targeted intervention is that you don't set up the classroom to have a, a variety of students in it. You end up often with a group of you know, a collection of at-risk students, quote-unquote, and that is not good for students or good for the environment. It's so much better if you can have a heterogeneous or a variety of students from different backgrounds in the room because it builds the school culture and climate, and it also enables kids to learn from each other and 
really builds that whole diversity and cultural proficiency piece. Mm -hmm. So with your, um, your curriculum now that you're doing, um, is it a specific curriculum that you all have adapted? I know you said you, you are still using standards that, you know, Texas had um, and aligning that. So tell us a little bit about how that works with the standards alignment and the curriculum piece. Oh, great. So, uh, yes. So the curriculum that I use is called School Connect. It's a curriculum that I'm a co-author of. Um, School Connect is a national evidence-based and research-based social-emotional learning curriculum that is based directly off of the CASEL SEL standards and competencies. The original author of Second Step, Kathy Belland, is also the executive director and one of the co-authors of School Connect. So there's great alignment of major SEL curriculums. And it is, uh, it's a 60 lesson curriculum that uh, can be broken into parts. Uh, but basically, um, the curriculum is, um, it's designed to be very collaborative and engaging. And not only does it teach uh, the concepts, but also has, you know, videos and activities that reinforce the concepts and allow students to practice the concepts. But what I think is really crucial to this practice is the idea of a dedicated course. I believe in curriculum. I think School Connect is a fabulous curriculum. However, I don't think curriculum teaches. I think teachers teach. And giving teachers a space to um, do this effectively is critical. So quickly saying it this way, if I take an English teacher and I say, okay, you're going to teach seven periods of English, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to teach this one 20-minute section once a week of SEL. That teacher is not likely to invest the kind of prep um, and just themselves in that material in a way that is really going to transform kids. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I take a teacher and I say, hey, look, this is going to be your job. You're going to be a dedicated freshman seminar teacher who's going to teach and support students and teach them these SEL skills. We're going to get you training. We're going to get you support. We're going to give you this dedicated space. Then that becomes their identity. You know, that's who I am. That's what I do on campus. I serve kids this way. And they soak in the material, and then they deliver the material in a much deeper and more engaging way to kids just because of the very nature of the design. I mean, none of us have the time to prep for every level when, you know, that's not our focus. Right. And it's not necessarily, you know, in teacher prep programs uh, that this is something that you're getting prep on when you're trying to implement it in schools. So it's uh, definitely, you see the advantage of having it as a a dedicated course as a dedicated teacher. But let me jump in here and just say this, that when I have done presentations on campuses and say, hey, we're, you know, a campus is starting an SEL program and they'll, you know, like I'll come in and I'll do some kind of, you know, rah-rah keynote um, kick it off. There's always someone in the crowd, not just one, but a group of people in the crowd that go, oh, my gosh, this is what I've been waiting to do. I want to do this the rest of my teaching career. I want to get up every day and I want to teach these skills because most teachers, in my opinion, get into teaching because they really feel like they want to make a difference. And for lots and lots of teachers, when they start hearing the message of social emotional learning, they're like, oh my gosh, this is a missing link. I can see the need because I've worked with kids. I can see how much they need this. And so what happens is, as you get the 
an easy pool that already exists on your campus of passionate people that are excited about doing it. And then you get somebody and you connect their passion with training and support and an opportunity, and they can transform the world. They really can. And we've, we've talked before about how I would have been one of those teachers that would have been like, yeah, this is amazing because the data <laughs> supports it, right? And, um, right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we've also talked a little bit about in your ideal world what SEL programs should look like and how it should function across a, a, not just a class but a school or a district. So you want to tell us your, your opinion about that? Sure. It's Okay. So first off, let's talk about levels. So um, social-emotional learning really should start pre-K and go all the way through um, our schooling. And in fact, uh, social emotional learning never ends. We're always growing. You know, we're always developing from birth to, to death. We're on a continuum with these skills. But I will say this, as they have shown studies that your pre-K SEL behaviors have a significant impact on adult results, you know, on adult outcomes. So that really suggests that we need to start this very early. Generally, from pre-K to the end of elementary school, students have one teacher who teaches the whole group all day, all subjects. And so most schools end up being really able to implement uh, SEL into those programs very easily by just adding the curriculum to a teacher who is used to already plugging in curriculums into their day. And what's great, too, is those teachers have great relationships because they have the same kids all day. and You know, it's all about relationships. Once you start getting into middle school, it becomes a little bit more challenging because now students rotate for subjects. And the challenge, too, is that teachers now don't believe they're really teaching students. They believe their focus is teaching subjects. And this can become challenging because if I'm a math teacher and you're asking me to teach something other than math, oftentimes there's a little bit of a rub there. So what I believe is, is once we start getting into middle school, we should change the model from, you know, just, you know, implementing into the daily curriculum into putting in a course. And so I think especially at spaces of transition, so uh, sixth grade, a transition course would be awesome, very similar to the one that I do in ninth grade, then supported seventh grade and eighth grade with some kind of advisory reinforcement that, you know, just happens enough to reinforce the language and build common language among the staff. And then ninth grade is the critical, pivotal year, in my opinion, for a transition course. And there's lots of studies that have shown the incredible power of ninth grade on students because they really are at a formative time when they're kind of, you know, really developing their adult behaviors. And so that ninth grade year is just really powerful. So I think a transition course there, then again, supported by advisory supports 10th grade and 11th grade. And then if I was really designing an ideal world, I'd put in a 12th grade uh, seminar course that talks about how to transition SEL skills for adulthood in the workplace. Because, you know, the things that are much more uh, powerful and potent then, like financial literacy and interview skills and navigating the college process, so those types of topics, you know, those topics um, are more powerful in 12th grade than they would be in ninth grade, and they reinforce some SEL skills. As far as how it should look beyond the campus, um, how a real SEL program should look, that a, a great social-emotional learning program should involve after-school partners and community programs. 
Um, if I have uh, an outside resource that's coming into my school that is working on calming strategies or de-escalation strategies, I would want them to use the same language that I'm teaching in my classes in my dedicated courses or in my advisory so that we are creating a weave or a braiding of initiatives uh, both inside our school and also with community partners. And then also a great SEL program should have a big parent outreach program that is enabling parents to have an understanding for what's being taught in the school so they can reinforce those same concepts at home. But SEL is not about a, a program, it's really about a practice and it's about expanding that practice to a, a much larger um, community that is supporting students. Yeah, I love thinking about it like that, that it is a not not a program, but a practice that everyone needs to be committed to and, and supporting people. Um, and and there's a connection between these practices and also mental health. So what have you seen with that connection in your work and in your specific class? And, and what does that look like in the larger SEO community as well? Great question. So mental health is just flat out a national crisis. Um, it's a crisis in our communities and it's a crisis in our schools. And we desperately need to connect this work of social emotional learning to mental health. So and the concept of RTI, and I'm sure many of the listeners are very familiar with RTI response to intervention. We've got this pyramid with tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is your intervention for everyone. Um, it's, the, it's the skills that everybody's getting. Uh, and so let's take, for example, um, trying to help a kid who is struggling with anger diffusing anger. So in tier one, if I'm teaching in every student uh, all across the curriculum, I'm teaching all students how to calm down and de-escalate strong emotions. I'm actually teaching that. And if you think about that, just by itself is pretty crazy because how many people ever get taught that information unless they have anger management or some kind of therapy? And all of us need to know how to do that skill. So anyway, if I'm teaching that tier one to everyone, then I'm going to have fewer kids that end up having issues that need to move to tier two, a targeted intervention with a group, so like some kind of anger management group. And if I'm doing a great job of tier one, not only am I going to have fewer kids move to tier two, but I'm also have fewer kids that will move to tier three, where they have to have intense one-on-one -on -one intervention for kids that are really struggling with anger and creating lots of problems. When the only intervention you really have is tier three, then the only way kids can get the attention and support they need is to escalate their behaviors to become tier three symptoms or tier three indicators where they need help. And a lot of times what will happen is people say, well, what we need is more tier three. But by doing that, all we're doing, in my opinion, is continuing to require people to move their behavior, escalate their behavior up to tier three to get help. What we need to do is be teaching SEL skills and mental, basic mental health skills to everyone so that less of those people are escalating up that triangle. And I think this is not unlike what's happening in our society. We look around and we're like, these, some of these crazy things are happening on the news. And I really believe that if in schools and if part of education, pre-K through 12th grade and even beyond, was how do you, you know, manage your emotions? How do you build healthy relationships? How do you resolve conflicts? Then we would have less of these extreme behaviors out in our society. We wouldn't eliminate them, but we'd have less of them. 
So what would you say to those who might not agree with the need for SEL as a class? How do you sell them on this? Or, or what do you say in response to, to their disagreement? So my big message around social emotional learning and the need for it is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So often in education, I think we foolishly wait for an issue to, you know, rear its ugly head. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, we build in all kinds of resources. So you have a big bullying incident at your school. And then all of a sudden, there's all these resources that come in that, you know, can prevent and identify bullying. Or we have a, you know, a suicide attempt or um, an issue of depression, a, a bout of depression at our school. And then all of a sudden, hey, there's all these programs you could put in. Well, where in the heck were you six months ago when we could have actually prevented it? You know, social emotional learning is a proactive approach to academic success, you know, teaching kids how to really organize to be successful. It's a proactive approach to conflict and conflict resolution in our school. So if we teach kids the skills of empathy and conflict resolution, then there's going to be less bullying in our school rather than waiting till there is bullying and then say, hey, how do we recognize bullying? You know, educating on bullying, which often increases the reports of bullying, you know, it makes a lot more sense to proactively teach skills that would prevent those things to happen. And the scariest one of all is, you know, depression, mental health. You know, instead of waiting for kids to, you know, have these issues, what if we taught kids how to better manage their emotions and build better relationships so they can reach out for social support and advocate for themselves? It's just a proactive approach that really helps avoid so many issues. You know, the next thing that people often will say is, well, we don't have time for this. We just don't have time for this initiative. And I love to get that question because it's a laugher. Because what the research shows is that SEL is not a time taker. It's a time maker. Yeah, give it back. Meaning that every minute, yeah, every minute that you spend on social emotional learning ends up with more time on task for teachers and students because students are learning to self-manage rather than the teacher constantly putting out fires. There's a study in Ed Week that was published not too long ago uh, based on a research study from Columbia that shows that there is an 11 to 1 benefit for, for um, initiatives on SEL. For every $1 or one minute you spend on social emotional learning, you're getting an $11, 11 minute benefit on time on task for students and teachers. If you just think about one, one referral, one big issue with a kid, and how much time that takes away from your instructional time, how many shushes did it take before you finally called that kid aside? How many times did you call that kid aside before you wrote the referral? And then how much time did it take to deal with that referral? If I can teach skills that reduce the number of those um, chains of events, think about how much more time I have on task for me and for all the students in the room that are not having to wait while I'm doing that. And not to mention my effectiveness because of my sanity is just much more there when kids can self-manage. This type of work really impacts the bottom line of academic achievement, test scores, discipline referrals, attendance. I mean, this is as bottom line as it gets. So when you start selling it to the you know, admin or powers that be around your school, start talking about this is going to affect our bottom line from all of these major metrics that we really do get held to task on. That's what social emotional learning does. 
and you can keep the you know in your own mind the altruistic benefit of just making them better people can be in your mind while you're selling the bottom line to the people that are the naysayers. Yeah. So if someone is listening to this today and they're thinking, yes, I, I agree with this. I I want to be able to do this in my classroom. Um, how does someone begin implementing a practice of SEL as a course in their schools? What are their first steps that they should take and think about uh, before getting the, the, the practice going? Oh, great. Another great question. So I think the first step is to get people on board. So I'm going to talk about this question in two ways. One, how do I do it as an individual classroom teacher? And then how do I try to get it done on my school or in my district? So I'm going to start with the school district way. So if you're really inspired by this or if you're an administrator and you're like, I want to do this, the first step is to do some quality pre-planning. So to start in the spring before you're going to launch it the next year. So like this upcoming January, February would be perfect. You know, get some people together, have a presentation, have somebody come in and talk about the importance of social emotional learning and get your group fired up. And from that, then figure out who are the people that this really resonates with that can create some kind of grassroots committee that's going to help support and launch this on your campus. Next thing you got to do is pick a dedicated curriculum. Um, whatever grade you're working with, there's different curriculums. There's lots of good ones out there. Um, but pick a dedicated curriculum because that's really going to be your tree. You know, that's going to be your your common language that you're building, and then you want everything to build off of it. Your program's not going to be totally about the curriculum. It's a being about a practice, but you need to start with that dedicated piece. So you pick your curriculum, and then the next thing is is that you got to figure out how you're going to get everybody trained. And most curriculums have some way of getting trained, but it's more than just getting trained for a curriculum. You really need a launch. You know, if you think about this as an initiative like a rocket, you need an awesome launch to get this thing off the ground and out of the, the hemisphere, um, the atmosphere, sorry. So uh, we need a lot of people bought in and excited about it on your campus to support this to happen. And so getting really a quality PD, which is sometimes very rare, but getting a quality PD that really launches that initiative and then gets the teachers, you know, do some follow-up that trains the teachers to do it. That's how I really think you make this happen. As far as the dedicated course, all that is is really getting your admin sold on this or your your district um, admin sold on this, which is really not a hard sell. It's it's an, an, a very proactive approach to so many things from reducing failures to you know narrowing the achievement gap to reducing mental health issues that it really does sell itself once you start thinking about it. If I'm just a teacher in a classroom and I'm like, you know, I, I want to change the world for my classroom, okay, that's not that hard to do. Um, lots of these topics can already be integrated into whatever you're doing. And so, you know, starting to doing some reading on social emotional learning and, you know, maybe requesting again some kind of curriculum that you can weave into your current content because you can do that from social studies to English to math you know, to science, there's lots of overlap with these SEL skills. And then creating opportunities for students in all collaborative settings to practice some of these skills and reflect on these skills, like active listening or turn-taking or collaborating effectively. You know, practicing those skills in, in our collaborations really helps do that. So you can do it both from the inside classroom teacher and also from trying to move you know, your campus or your district admin. 
it's just all about taking that first step and 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 making making something happen and i really believe that when you hear a message that resonates with you i feel like it's you know it's partially our responsibility if it resonates with you do something with it you know go do something with it because nothing's more sad than the stillbirth of a good idea if if you're inspired by this go talk to somebody and hopefully you can you know make it happen and deliver for lots of kids yeah i love i love that idea from the, the two tiered and thinking about it from the, the those two perspectives especially given that well, it's almost time to start thinking about that master schedule for next year as crazy as that sounds yeah. so let's let's be intentional about what that planning looks like so since you're you're the classroom expert right what tips would you give a teacher who is is either going to be teaching SEL for the first time maybe in the next year or um, that is currently doing it and could use a couple of expert tips in this area uh, so my biggest tip that I always say is teaching and learning is a relationship uh, it really doesn't matter so much what you're teaching it matters the relationship environment in which you're teaching mm -hmm. and so I would say invest generously in relationships you know find every way you can to make relationship deposits because you know kids are really going to respond to their relationship with their teacher and you know that platform that relationship platform is going to be the thing that really makes transformation as far as you know how to make this happen I think the biggest piece is to make sure that you're practicing the things you're teaching both in your behaviors as much as you can I mean we're all fallible but both in your behaviors and allowing intentional practice of these behaviors in your classroom so I'm doing a collaborative project in my room I will say okay guys so now as we work on you know studying you know the reasons for the Civil War as you're talking in your group about this I really want you guys to work on collaborating effectively so let's talk about um, making sure everybody's verse voice is heard in your group and then I ask the kids, what does that look like? And the kids will say, you know, creating space for others or, you know, waiting your turn or, you know, they'll say age appropriate things. And then I give them, okay, well, so here's how we're going to do it. I give them a couple of tips and I'll say, okay, now go do your project, but really focus on making sure everybody's voice is heard. Now, when the activity is over with, I come back and I say, okay, how did you guys do on making sure everybody's voice is heard? And for this exact activity, what I actually do is have kids all stand up and they stand in a, a line shoulder to shoulder in their group. And so then I'll say, okay, now what I want you to do is think in that last activity, were you somebody that needed to step up, meaning that you could have taken a little bit more of the space, you know, to be fair and get, you know, to get your voice more heard? Or were you somebody that needed to step back because you were kind of taking up a little bit too much space and made it hard for other people to be heard and so I'll count one two three and I'd like you to either take a step up or take a step back and it makes them reflect on their skill of that SEL skill and this is just one example you could do this with so many skills but it only takes a minute to intentionally embed an SEL skill in every collaboration literally one minute and reflect on it and then I'm really building a skill because they're practicing it and then I go into whatever the outcome of the actual collaboration was on the Civil War or whatever else it is. But embedding SEL skills in your collaboration and letting them do meaningful practice, that's really going to build the skill for kids. 
So if those are your tips, what are your recommended resources for those looking for more information on social and emotional learning? Uh, so it's all great appropriate. Uh, first off, if you go to just, you know, start searching for SEL, there's just an ocean of material out there. So CASEL is a wonderful resource, the Collaborative for the Advancement of Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. Um, they have really done a great job of, of advancing the science and practice. Edutopia posts tons and tons of resources out there. Then you start looking at curriculum-based resources. Um, I really like second step, uh, pre-K through uh, eighth grade, but there's also Mind Up and Paths are both uh, really good programs as well that you might look into. Um, and then on the high school level, the curriculum that I'm involved with, School Connect, I really believe is an awesome resource. Uh, and I really don't know of another one that is truly um, connected to the SEL competencies in the same way. But I'd look at those, and and then the next thing is to start, you know, talking to your district and looking for PD resources because there's so many out there and such really cool things happening in this field with, you know, the expansion of mindfulness and, you know, just mental health initiatives and just SEL in general. It's like a, a real true tidal wave in education right now. So I think there's lots of opportunities to get involved and find connections. And of course, you can reach out to me. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, there's a couple of webinars about my work. Um, but I am thrilled to help spread the practice. In fact, that's what I'm all about. I want to see this practice get to every kid all over the country because all kids desperately need it. That's our time for today, Keith. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise on social and emotional learning in general, but also as a course. My pleasure. And I just want to encourage all the listeners, please go out and do something with this. It's so important for kids. Absolutely. And be sure to check out the episode description in the podcast to access the resources that Keith mentioned today. You can also find him on Twitter for more information at coach underscore Rudy or email him at coachrudy, one word, at me.com. And you can find me at Snyder underscore Erica. Until the next time, we'll see you later.